0: Excuse me. I said I thought you said you're gay. I am. No, I thought you were saying that to me. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um. Little homos. Hi guys, welcome, welcome to our ASMR episode.
1: Okay, this sucks. (laughs) <laughs> hey there welcome back to another episode of gay as in Stupid. Gay as stupid fuck we almost got it right last time we almost did it perfectly did and i it? considered editing it so we did get it perfectly <laughs> but i did not god i value you i value you but yeah, welcome back to another episode. I'm Isaac. I'm Aaron, and we're really fucking gay and really fucking stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh. Okay, we're what are we going to be talking <laughs> about? Gay tragedy. That's a That's <laughs> a home Yeah. Um, what are we gonna be talking about today, Aaron?
0: So today we're going to be talking about um found family and what that means for the LGBT community and what it means to us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Found family time bitches. Mm. Um, <laughs>
0: It is 10.50 a.m. and we are gays who are not in a structure currently that relies us to wake up early, so.
1: Yeah, I haven't even drank half my iced coffee yet, so like, I don't have my full homo powers yet. I have a caffeine headache.
0: Okay, so just to give an overview of what the term found family means... Your found family is the family that you choose, like apart from your biological family and like they're your your little support structure. I think some good examples of this in like popular media that everyone's going to know are like uh, the Percy Jackson series. If you ever read that as a kid, Mm -hmm. I remember that was like really big for me when I was like, 12 because it's like all these fucking dumbass teenagers and children who kind of form their own community and form their own support and love each other and have each other's backs and i would like read little like fan fictions of them at 2am and be like god i want friends so badly oh my god but i think that's an example everyone knows
1: you know i agree with you there I'm trying to think of an example of what I know, but oh. <laughs> the first one that came to my head was Persona 4, and I mm. refused to bring that back up. <laughs>
0: you know what? I hate you. I hate you because I thought about that when I was thinking of examples to use for this, and I was like, oh, Persona, and then I was like...
1: "It, It is. It is. It's just a bunch of teenagers, like especially with like four and five specifically. It's just like mm. a bunch of teenagers who find each other. And they're working towards a common goal and they end up like creating such like a strong bond. Yeah. And especially cause like a lot of them don't have like support from biological family or support yeah. from systems or anything like that. It's them creating this own system that they can confide in and go to comfort yeah. in. And that's and I actually, also...
0: Oh, sorry, you go. No,
1: you go. What are you going to say? Uh, I was
0: going to say, that's actually a really good thing to bring up because I think that one of the reasons that, found family forms is when you have things that you cannot talk about to your biological family and you can't confide in them, whether it's because you're gay and they don't understand, or, you know, whether it's because they don't care for you and they're neglectful or they're abusive. But I think like, the reason those structures form is because you have like, you can't talk to them, you can't get emotional support from them, which sometimes leads to not being able to get, like, actual physical support from them, which, like, makes it necessary to form these relationships with other people who are in a similar, similar
1: space as you. Yeah. And I just want to make it clear at the start, um, found family isn't just some sort of, like, form of glorified friend group. Like, it is, uh, like, Having friend groups is great and all. And, like, you can definitely... This isn't me going, like, you... Unless it's, like, you are you consider your, all your friends, your family, your bonds aren't deep and real. It's just a different sort of connection mm. you can have with somebody. Like, I have people I consider myself very close with. Um, People I've met in college where, like, I tell them everything. I feel very close with them. But there's... They're not the first people I go to for support. They're not who, when I'm sitting down, being, like, who at the, like, end of my days is going to be at my deathbed, like, that. Right. That was a weird way to say that, but, no, yeah, I it's, like... No, I get what you
0: mean. I get what you mean, yeah. I think a good way to emphasize this is that there are found family structures that are in the form of friendships, and, like, they are people who are consider themselves to be friends, but there are also ones that take, like, very literal, like, familial... Structures like um, in this article, I was just reading about a trans found family um, of artists. There's like one woman, there's one woman who's like the mother, and then the other two are like her daughters basically, and she provides for them Mm -hmm. and like shares her meals with them and cares for them and finds them housing. And all three of them had kind of like struggled with homelessness and rejection from their biological families. Uh, and they found each other and cared for each other. So there's things like that. Just watching Pose, if you've ever watched Pose. Um, and they have a very similar structure there.
1: You all should be watching Pose. And,
0: uh, you should. <laughs> they, have, they have a very similar structure with, like, um, a mother and then her children, basically. Which was also a really big thing in, like, the in the drag ball scene, Um And today, because they would form, like, houses which competed in the balls. And there would be, like, a mother or a father of the house. And then all of the children. um, And they would live together or share food or other things and compete, so.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah, exactly what Aaron was saying. Found family isn't completely limited to just friendships. Like, I consider the, like, first LGBT man I ever met in my life like the first one I ever met in person back in high school who I don't think I've seen in like three years now to be like a member of my found family because like he was such an important like mentor role to Mm. me and like it's not like we're friends it's not like a deep connection we have I just view him as like he is like a father figure to be
0: right So I understand yeah yeah I mean like I consider you my found family in a way because like I feel like you know, like I feel like no matter what happens, like I can be like, oh, in like 10 years or 20 years or whenever, like I'm still going to know you and I'm still going to be like sharing these parts of my life with you. And you're like my brother, you know?
1: Yeah. That's really funny because I consider you like my brother too. Oh
0: my God.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Like for me finding Aaron was like so life changing because like I didn't know any other like trans people in my everyday life that like, I could get along with or that like mm. I felt safe around because like one of them like assaulted me and then like the other ones were just like trans meds.
0: Ooh, I'm and, so fucking sorry.
1: Yeah, and like there's definitely like not any other like trans gay people like that I knew and like mm. the, as we've talked multiple times before, being gay was an issue for me. Um
0: yeah.
1: so uh connecting with Aaron especially like in one of the hardest parts of my life was like really just like freeing being able to like know there's somebody who like I could talk to and he would like have like understanding and like he always showed me like empathy no matter what I was saying and a lot of it was bullshit but like (laughs) even when I was struggling he was like always there for me and like I can't picture futures without him in my life and shut up
0: you don't make me cry
1: but no it's just it's been a completely different connection that I've had with Aaron because of our shared experiences and the way that our relationship works to where, like, it's like, yeah, Aaron's one of my best friends. But, like, a lot of the time when I'm thinking of Aaron, the first thing that comes up to me, I'm like, oh, that's, like, my little brother. And then I'm like, and my best friend. So, like, that's kind of how, like, he's categorized in my head, which is different than a lot of people in my life.
0: Yeah, no, I feel the same way about you. And, like, you were the first, like, gay trans person I met who had like more experience being gay and trans than I did because up until then it was always like, I think the only person I knew had been the guy that I was like online dating or whatever. Um, (laughs) And I like always had to be telling him shit. I'd be like, Matt, like don't wear your binder while you sleep. Like don't do this. Like, and you know, being like, no, like, you don't have to purposefully construct, like, I don't know, sexism in your brain or whatever, so that your family thinks that you're a cis dude, like, so I always had to be doing that, and, like, Isaac was the first person I met who I could actually, like, talk to, and it was, I was really, like, necessary in my life, because I was, like, right, I was like just starting to actually become kind of aware of what I wanted for myself and how I wanted to live. And I genuinely like don't think that I could have actually done that if I hadn't met you. Like I don't think that I would have realized that that was a possibility for me. And I was still kind of like figuring out my sexuality and stuff because I still kind of thought that I was bi and I didn't want to be. <laughs> um, <laughs> And yeah, I just, I don't think that like I could have been the person that I am if I hadn't met you. And like I like picture you in my life. Like I picture you like being around like when like when I have my kids and like I picture going to like see your shows and stuff when you're when you're doing that stuff professionally. And I just, like, yeah, I think of you as, like, just as much a part of my family as, like, my biological sisters.
1: I love you! <laughs> <laughs> I love you, too. Uh, damn. <laughs> be too early for this shit. Fuck. <laughs> S- but, yeah. <laughs> Found family be important, I feel like we just did a speed run through all of our topics. We (laughs) we did. We gotta go break them down now. (laughs) Yeah. I was gonna say this uh, to tag on to the end of the persona thing I was saying before Mm -hmm. we got all sappy. Another thing that immediately came to my head was Mob Psycho because I'm a disgusting Mm -hmm. man. I was just like... Mob Psycho
0: is wholesome.
1: It is, but like... Again, there's like Reagan who is like a father figure and he's gay. Um, <laughs> and he basically ends up taking in all these like middle schoolers. And like Mob has like parents who are like supportive of him and like it shows that like they are close, obviously, but like I've never he seen still show, though. You do, you just didn't get there. Oh. Oops. It it's okay, you're valid and I love you. Yeah. But, like, there's no, like, kind of, like, break between them. Like, he's close with his biological family, but he still has this closeness with a father Mm. figure, basically. Because even though, you know, Reagan's not psychic, he still is able to confide in him about these things. Like, he couldn't with his actual father or his mother. And then there's, like, his little brother and, like, with Teru and... Uh, Serizawa, once he comes into the picture and Dimple even, like, they create this little community for themselves and it's just, like, something that's really wholesome to see that, like, you can kind of see, like, I don't know. I'm just a big sucker for anything that has found family in it. I, like, literally Mm -hmm. don't care about shit unless that is an element in stories and, like, it's one of the main reasons Like I like Mob Psycho and, like, anything I'm into is just, like, I'm a bitch for found family. Yeah. Because it just feels so genuine and it's so beautiful to watch people come into their own in their own communities. And yeah. uh, it's what I want.
0: I feel the same way. And I think a big reason for this is that like when you become kind of like isolated from parts of society and you grow up like, you know, I mean like your mom is great and like mm-hmm. I am pretty close with my biological family as well, but you still, like, you grow up feeling like you can't be and it gets you get to a certain point in your life where you have these things that you cannot talk to them about or that they cannot understand. Like, for me, that was, like, um, my sexuality and with being trans and my dysphoria um, and my mental illness um, was a really big part of that um, and I felt like I couldn't have a connection with my family because of that. And I felt like they couldn't really understand me or couldn't really love me. Um, and it was like, eventually, I mean, eventually things turned out okay, obviously, but it, it made me feel really isolated and really alone. And so the idea of like connecting with other people who were experiencing the same things as me and just, like, having that acceptance from other humans was something that was really powerful, and honestly, like, the only thing that got me through, like, life when I was, like, like 12 to 14, like, that was what I thought about every single day, and that was what I read, and that was what I wrote, and that was, like, the only thing that I was holding on to was like the possibility of having that because it was something that I needed so badly. Um, and so I think that's like, that's a big reason why we seek out those structures um, and why there have been so many of them.
1: Yeah. You know, I agree with Aaron. Like, I love my mom. Everyone who meets my mom loves her. Um, <laughs> she's. The inventor of kindness and understanding.
0: Wow, like mother like son.
1: Fuck you. Don't ever compare me to that queen again. She doesn't deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) But like, even like people who haven't met her like my new third roommate Kira uh queen I love her um she hasn't officially met my mom yet but my mom's just like been so like understanding and helping us through the process of renting and like paid for our security deposit because she knew we were like worried about doing that in first month and it's going to take us grocery shopping that every like Kira's even like your mom is literally the nicest person alive and like everyone says that about her but I like still haven't been able to like sit her down and tell her like hi, mom, I went back to therapy in college. Hi, mom, I'm on, like, more antidepressants now. And, like, mm-hmm. they've been helping. And, like, I'm in a good place now. But, like, I'm it's just I've never been comfortable talking about this with her, mm-hmm. especially after, like, <laughs> my mental hospital run. Um, so, like, I really only talk to this specific part of my life about with, like, Aaron or, um, uh, like, Two other people uh, that I'm friends with in college, but otherwise it's like, I don't, I just can't. And Mm. it's like, yeah, those kind of structures. And it's like, again, I'm trying to like reinforce, like I'm extremely close with my mom. Like tragically, she knows a lot about my life. (laughs) Um, I remember when I was going to college, I told Aaron, my goal is to not tell my mom as much.
0: Oh, yeah. I remember that shit. And then you like lied to her about seeing Baby Driver because you were going yeah. on a date with a guy. And he like made up the entire plot of Baby Driver to his mom. Yeah. <laughs> just on this spot.
1: Yeah, I'm so lucky my mom does not watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, basically, before my current boyfriend, my mom does not know that I've ever been with another man, which is a lie. And it's going to stay yeah. that way.
0: My mom knows everything about my dating life because I just don't shut up.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just, I just didn't want, I didn't want questions. And then like, yeah, what was my other point. Like, yeah. I'm not super close with my dad. And like, he was a big mm. reason that like, I sought out these like structures of found family and mm. places I could connect to because he's a shithead. And yeah. like, literally, I'm not kidding. The first time I ever heard him refer to me as a gay trans man was like two days ago. And Jesus. it like, wasn't even like the best context. Like he was talking about like how my like aunt Diane got him into some shit at like a bar because he like said like, Oh, I hate this song. And she went and told the band that was playing it. Cause they're like a cover band. And this woman came over and started screaming at them. And my dad was like what's happening and then like she didn't have anything valid to yell. so she started like screaming at him like oh it's because you hate me because i'm a lesbian because you're a homophobic bitch and like that obviously wasn't it and like i mean i just kind of sat there because he's like i don't know what i'm gonna do in this situation because she's not gonna listen so he sat through that which i'm like glad he didn't try to argue with her because like yeah Yeah, but then like he was on the porch saying he's like, she's like, he's like, yeah, next time that happens, I'm just gonna pull the card and be like, yeah, I have a gay trans son. So like, double punched. and I was like, why is this Mm. the context in which is the first time you're ever acknowledging (laughs) that I'm both those things at the same time? Like, I've never even heard him acknowledge that I'm gay. And like, he loves my boyfriend, but I've never once heard him like, say, Mm. like, I have a gay son. Right. like Ever. And like, it was just so weird. And like, it like really made me realize like that disconnect or whenever yeah. I see he, anytime I'm with my dad, I'm like, I don't know you. We're literally strangers. And it's yeah. like, it just like really, I remember like when I, it was Easter and like immediately I was like in a room with my dad and like, I had to have my phone in my hand cause I had to keep texting like Aaron or like somebody else because mm. like I felt so isolated when it was just me and my yeah. dad yeah. I think, Aaron, you remember that? I was sitting there texting you mm-hmm. and, like, emo tweeting, like, we are stranger. <laughs> it's like... I'm your dad now. Thank you, Aaron. Of course. But, yeah, it's like, the there's such, like, a, a common trend, tragically, of LGBT people being, like, mm-hmm. cut off from their biological family and cut off from, like, any... The systems of support they're supposed right. to have that kind of drives them to, uh, like craving and yearning for these, um, found family systems. And, um,
0: yeah, it's not like, I I agree.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, it's not like (laughs) gay and trans people own found family. Um, I just think they do it best one. And two, (laughs) I feel like their need for it is, um, yeah way greater than a lot of other people realize. And it's really ingrained in like our community's Mm. history of how we've survived and lived. Yeah,
0: I mean, you can find it anywhere you find it. Like um, in a lot of time, people who are um, homeless people who are, who've immigrated somewhere. (laughs) I think that for the LGBT community, it has a lot of cultural significance, which is why we've chosen this to talk about. And it has a lot of, importance in our own lives you know i know like um when i tried to come out to my dad and stuff he would always say stuff like he would be like you know tell me that he loved me and stuff but then he would be saying like you know he would be like calling me his daughter and stuff and like you know saying that i'd always be that and i know for some some people find that comforting and i can understand why you know because it can be worse but it didn't feel like he loved me because it felt like the person that he was talking about was someone who is completely different from the person that I am. Um, So I didn't, and you know, his other actions and the words that he was saying, I didn't feel like I had that support anymore. Um, And me and my dad have always had a lot in common, like interests wise and stuff. So that was difficult for me. And then like, yeah, you know, my family is, like, my biological family is very loving, but we aren't very used to being vulnerable around one another, and, like, I, you know, like I mentioned earlier, like, I talk to my mom about pretty much everything, and, like, we have conversations and stuff, and she's very supportive of me, but I don't feel like I can be vulnerable about those things, like, I'll be, like, you know, like, I'm going through, like, if I'm going through, like, a breakup or something... I'll just like casually mention it to her and like brush it off and I can't talk about it and I can't like express to her that I'm sad. Um, and I can't like, it's difficult for me to be like, oh, I'm like in this situation and like people are treating me differently or treating me badly because I'm trans and it's making me feel like not a person and I I can't say that you know I can be like oh people are treating me this way and it's shitty and I'm mad about it but I can't like express that it makes me feel kind of helpless you know and I so I've, I've only really ever been able to express that kind of thing like around other trans people mm-hmm. um and around you <laughs> um so I think that that's had a lot of like significance in my life. Um, like just being able to being able to have somewhere to do that and to talk about that. Cause if I didn't, I would literally go insane.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Big f- f- fat mood. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about found family shit and now I'm like, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I saw an article while I was looking stuff up for this, and I it will not be in further reading because I read a little bit further and it was bullshit. But one of the things, it was the one that was like talking about like queer platonic relationships and stuff. Mm-hmm. And like um anyway. But it did make one good point, which is that it was talking about like in um, LGBT, that's not what they said, but in LGBT Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) friendships, there can be like a little bit of a blurred line between like romance and friendships and like family and like how close those relationships are, which I think plays a part in found family and which I think like Ties into another thing that I was reading um, in my little book that I got, which I'll probably talk about more next month's episode because it has some like pride stuff and we're going to be talking about pride, but where it was like talking about like the fact that um, gay people are much more likely to like stay friends with their exes than straight people are and like continue those relationships which I don't think is so much of the case anymore because this was talking about, like, the 80s and 90s. But I've definitely had that experience with other trans people. I'll be, like – Like, I'll have I'll have relationships with people where, like, I've been romantically involved with them and now I'm not anymore and we're still friends, which I don't really do with people ever. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So – Or people that I just, like, dislike, but I – we'll still talk to them about trans stuff and we'll still like give each other advice and things like that.
1: It's like a, it's like, well, I need this outlet. Right.
0: Right. It's like <laughs> a bond out of necessity.
1: It's a survival tactic. And yeah. It sucks because <laughs> yeah, I've stayed friends with plenty of people that sucked or exes that suck. <laughs> I've stayed like civil and like Mm. more than civil, like friendly with exes. Mm. Like (laughs) I can name like three or four different like ex-girlfriends I had throughout middle school and high school who like, we still will talk every once in a while. Um, And Mm. it's because like we've all come into our own LGBT identities now. And it's just like comforting to know, like there's somebody who like can like validate how much you've grown. Yeah. Like there's just something about it being like, oh, how's it going to be like, I have a girlfriend now. I know I'm a lesbian now. And I'm like, oh, I know I'm a gay trans man now. Like there's something like with somebody being like, wow, I'm really happy for you. I like saw how you've grown. And like having seen those first stages of confusion, it's just, like, something, like, I can't 100% let go of at times. Um, yeah. And, like, if they I, really wronged me, it's, like, good fucking bye. But um, when it's, right. like, just kind of, like, things ended and, like, even if they ended, like, a little bad, like, it's still, like, whatever. Also, I yeah. was, like, in middle school. <laughs> so, like, it's yeah. good. But there's something, like, about having that validation. Like, Aaron gives me all the validation I could ever need. But yeah. he met me in my years of, like senior year of high school yeah so like he can validate me 18 yeah I was 17 no No, we met when I was 18 you were
0: eight you've done this before you were 18
1: yeah damn yeah sorry I'm always I always forget (laughs) yeah but like he can like validate me like pretty well because I was still struggling with like um internalized homophobia at that point yeah. so like he's able to like recognize my growth there but like my very first girlfriend ever in middle school is able to like cause she was there when I was like I switched my gender identity like three times while we were dating mm. so like it's a different sort of like what she yeah. saw me doing I was a girl then I was a boy then I was non-binary then I was a girl again that's four times <laughs> but <laughs> I'm a homosexual I can't do math <laughs>
0: big mood sorry mom um but my mom is my mom is a little mathematician yeah no I guess I think like yeah because I only talk to I talked to one person that I knew in middle school and that was like we didn't have the closest relationship but I found him on like Instagram and I was like hey and he's not in the LGBT community to the best of my knowledge, but we've both like had a lot of things that we were struggling with at that time. Um, and we've kind of like grown in that way. And so it was really, it was really nice to be able to talk to him about that. Um, but Mm -hmm. anyway, I think, I think the reason that we do that kind of thing and like seek out that validation is because it's difficult, like, I think it's difficult to have, like, long-term relationships in that way, like, or it's difficult to, like, keep friends after you transition. At least it was yeah. for me. Because, like, I – after I came out as trans and after I was, like – you know, because me and my friends in middle school were all kind of, like, exploring that stuff. But then after I, like, actually was trans and, like, um, stuck to that and it became a big part of, like – who I was and what my life was like, those people didn't really relate to me anymore. And they didn't really find value in me anymore and our friendships. Mm -hmm. Um, So they just kind of dissolved. Um, And so I think that a lot of the people like that I knew from when I was like, from when I was, like, younger, who I could still maintain that connections with were, like, people who I dated because we had that, like, um, identity in common Um, as, like, gay or bi trans men. So it's, like, it's just nice to, like, see, like, their little social medias and see what they're up to and stuff. You're like, ha, 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 I do that.
1: Um, (laughs) Nice left at London reference.
0: I love her.
1: Me too, queen.
0: (laughs) It also makes me feel kind of validated because like I know my like oldest ex that I actually kind of keep up with because the first one like blocked me on all social media because we were like 14. Um, But the one that I actually keep up with, like I'm doing way better than he is. (laughs) Not mentally, just on like an intelligence level
1: another, I'm thinking about bi people right now, and another thing that, like, I absolutely adore about Found Family is watching, like, other people, like, start to form their own communities. Mm. Like, yeah, between, like, my friend Soph, my boyfriend, and um a friend of ours, Maggie, they're all, like, bi people who went to, like, Catholic schools and were raised on, like, Catholicism, and they're all dating, like, full-fledged homosexuals and like <laughs> the three of them like in their room together all felt like so powerful they're like yeah that's Aww. fucking right <laughs> it I was like that so it much. was just so wholesome to see them like bonding over that yeah and like when alex and Soph met for the first time they're like i'm bi i'm bi and then they're like i Aww. went to catholic school i went to catholic school and they're like literally like lost their shit
0: i love that so and much like, that's so good yeah
1: I, I love, I literally just love found communities, (laughs) found community found family so fucking much.
0: God, what a mood. Also, like, (laughs) I think that something that I really, really love about my community, because I don't really have like a little structure like that, like close to me. And I don't Mm -hmm. actually really have any little structure like that. Because I think the people that I'm like, closest to non-romantically are you and Alex so like other than my biological family obviously Mm -hmm. um so I don't really have like a structure like that yet but I love like I can you know go into these spaces and stuff and these like groups around my city and people are just so welcoming and like they talk to me and they're friendly and there's never any like you know, pressure to like be a certain way or to stay for a certain amount of time or anything. Mm -hmm. Like I know I got a lot of support from my, um, had a little LGBT kickboxing group that I did, which I had to stop doing because I had some crappy unrelated experiences and it made me too dysphoric to like go and do that in front of people for a while. But I had been going there since I was 14, um, up until I was like 16 and they, like, saw me, like, kind of progress in my transition and stuff. And um, it was just a bunch of, like, adult um, LGBT people. And there was a lot of, like, um, adult trans people there, which is not something that I encounter very often. Um, And I remember, like, the first time that I went there, I was, like, 14 and I was like sweaty and nervous and I had never like exercised or anything really um so and like everyone in there is like super super buff so I was like shit what am I gonna do but they were just so welcoming to me and they were so kind and like they just made me feel like I belonged there and like sometimes like I wouldn't go for like a while. Um, and then I would come back and they were just still so welcoming to me. And it was such a like good and positive experience, especially since like, I, you know, have always really struggled with my like appearance and, um, my weight and things like that, like, uh, mentally. So it was nice to have like an experience where I could go and I could like do something like that and have it be a supportive environment and have it be an environment where, like, it didn't matter what I looked like and it didn't matter, like, what my body was like. Mm-hmm. So, like, just stuff like that has been really, really important for me. Um, and now I'm in this little um, – I'm doing a project with this, like, LGBT cabaret group and um, they're just – it's such a, like, positive space to be in as a trans person, which I'm really not used to and it just it just makes me feel really happy and it takes a lot of the stress off of like every other part of my
1: life you know I get that I like have a lot of gripes with the LGBT like center on my campus Mm. but that's not worth getting into now because they're like actually like personal gripes Um, yeah but uh every once in a while I'll just like feel super overwhelmed and like I'll walk in there and like I'll like walk in and I'll see like Sarah across the room or like maybe Jalen's working or just like these two Mm. other people that like I vaguely know of and like they'll just be like oh my god hey and like they'll like have kept up with my life via like Instagram or like Snapchat and they'll bring things up and ask how I'm doing and like It just feels so genuine and welcoming and like I literally maybe go in there once a month um, because I'm a busy motherfucker and I just don't have time to go sit in there. And ever since that one person like turned their Furby at me and made it stare at me like while I was eating a burger, I like just can't go and sit in there because it really freaks me out. (laughs) Um, And I'm terrified of seeing that person again. But like... It was just so, it's just, like, so comforting to know that, like, I have there to turn. And no matter how much time I take away, they'll, like, recognize me as a gay trans man and immediately make space for me. And uh, that's important to me. And I'm just, like, thank you. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I think, like, and I also, I have a lot of problems with a lot of, like, because I live in, like, a very liberal city, um, Mm -hmm. which means that there's a lot of very liberal transphobia. (laughs) <laughs> um, and homophobia, and I have a lot of gripes with, like, specific, like, um, like, the way that stuff is talked about here, and, like, the way that it's portrayed, and the way that certain things are, like, washed over, um, which has mostly been in cis spaces, because I have not had those experiences with trans people who, like, knew what they were doing, but I do, like, there are spaces where I just, I go in, and, like, I know that, like, I can just, talk to people you know Mm -hmm. Um, or I can just be there and like no one's gonna like look at me weird and that's just really like I think it's really powerful and it's really necessary and I think like it's something that like whether or not you need those things and those like resources for your physical safety and comfort I think that it's always something that's required for your mental health as an LGBT person Um, because I know that like I feel so much more like myself in moments where I'm like, like we have like a trans thing that happens once a year and it's like a little protest thing. And I go there and like the event itself is a little, it's a little small, but I see like there are like trans adults there who talk and like speak about you know, the issues that we have in our city that I can like relate to. And I'm like, but yeah, that I can relate to and that I, that resonate with me. Um, And like, I see them there, like living their lives and stuff. And I know whenever I, whenever I hang out with Isaac, I am immediately like, like whenever we see each other in person, I'm immediately like, oh, this is who I am. Like, this is what I'm like as a person, because I just lose so much of myself being around cis people constantly, being around straight people constantly, because I always have to like monitor what I'm saying and censor it and like worry about how people are perceiving me. And then when I'm around you and we're hanging out, like I don't worry about that anymore from anyone. And I'm like, oh, this is like what being me is like, like this is the essence of who I am as a person. And then – It like gets me through the rest of the year because I like remember that specific instance and I'm like that I can be like that's who I am and that's who I am trying to be and like hold on to that and like try to be that person in other parts of my life.
1: Yeah. I don't know what my voice is doing there. (laughs) You know, I completely agree with what Aaron's saying. Like I couldn't say it better myself. Honestly, Aww. okay. <laughs> what is that noise you're making?
0: It's made a little sound.
1: Oh, I don't a special
0: little noise
1: like it. <laughs> Please, Erwin, I'm begging you. <laughs>
0: Homophobic? Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah? <laughs> we're, so, uh, we're so terrible. We suck. Yeah. Dick, maybe.
1: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, any last thoughts on found family, Aaron?
0: I think that it can be a really, like, finding the people who you consider to be your found family can be a really necessary um, component in feeling like you have some sort of like power in the in this world, not in like a tyrannical way, but um just you know the knowledge that like whatever happens, these people have my back and they have like similar experiences to me, and they understand what I'm going through
1: yeah um, I, I understand completely what you're saying.
0: And I think it's also important when you're, like, a little baby gay to not try and seek that out for the sake of it, Um, which, you know, is, like, kind of contrasting to the other things that we've talked about in this episode so far, but I know that, like, when I was a kid, I was desperate for that kind of connection with people, and so you know, I made some connections that were not the healthiest. um, And I like overextended myself because I was trying to like, relate to people. And I was trying to find like unconditional love, basically, because I wasn't sure if the love from my family would be unconditional, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was trying to find something like that. And I think it's important when you need those things and when you want those things really badly to make sure that you're getting what you deserve and just make sure that you're not the only one that is putting in that effort um, and that it genuinely is um, a connection of love and you're not just being like used as a resource for other people. Um, yeah. Because like just... Oh, sorry, you go. I
1: was going to say, when you're a young LGBT person and looking for these found families, um, especially when you are young, you have to be, like, really cautious. Mm -hmm. Um, Specifically with, like, older people, like, it sucks to say, but, like, I know as a 13, 12 to 13, 14-year-old, those years were rough for me trying to find those connections, and I found them in a lot of, like, online older people. And Mm -hmm. to be vague... Was not good. Um, Bad outcome? Uh, Bad. If I ever see them. Their skulls, the curb. You have to just make sure that, like, even though, like, you're craving this and it feels like it's all you'll have, you just have to make sure that, like, you can, you know, like Erin said, you're getting what you deserve and you're not being, like, used.
0: It sucks to feel like you're alone, but... It is better to be alone than to have these kinds of connections with people who don't value you because even when you are at a place in your life where you haven't found your people yet, you can still find things to appreciate about yourself and you can still rely on yourself and love yourself. And it's really difficult, but um, yeah, I've spent a lot of my time alone and like you – learn how to enjoy your own company and you learn how to do the things that you are proud of. And I know when I was younger, like it took me a long, long time. Like it took a lot of really bad and really unhealthy relationships with people that I didn't even realize were unhealthy before, um, before I met Isaac and before I met, um, some of our other friends and actually realized what it was like to have connections with people who you know, who liked me and who thought that I had value as a person and who genuinely like appreciated my company. So I just think that it's really important to keep telling yourself no matter what, that you do deserve that, you do deserve those connections with people and you are worthy of them and you will find them.
1: Yes. Just big retweet, honestly. Big, big retweet. I think that's a really uh good and strong kind of like sentiment to end on, wouldn't you hmm. say?
0: I think so. Thank you. King No you No you No you No you, no, you.
1: I can't go higher. I'm not gonna attempt to go higher.
0: Who
1: are you? Yeah. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god.
0: That's the highest I can go. My falsetto has limits.
1: Yeah. I'm not even gonna attempt to. <laughs> you win. You win this round. Thank you. So thanks for tuning in to this episode, our actual May episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you um,
0: can keep an eye out for our little posts with all of our recs on Tumblr and mm-hmm. links to this episode.
1: Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Tumblr or Twitter. Um, our Tumblr is Gay As and Stupid Podcast and the Twitter is just gay as and stupid.
0: And keep an eye out for our June episode. We are doing a little thing for the 50th anniversary of Stonewall and get to make a little timeline of like gay rights and the progression of those and bitch about cis people Uh and like just make a little note of our progress and how far we've come for that and I'm really excited for it so I hope you'll give that a listen
1: yep me too it's gonna be shout
0: out to Alex for his little music he made for us yeah
1: thanks babe yeah uh have, have a good rest of your may um maybe form some like nice little community around listening to this podcast you know we will. <laughs> the roots of a found yeah. family are within Sorry. gay as and stupid
0: <laughs> start listening now because we will be at trans wellness conference so
1: yeah and if you see you us little. you can uh deck me that's my rule for anime (laughs) conventions it's gotta be my rule here too
0: you may not deck me but i will like give you a little hug or something
1: Yeah, you gotta fucking swing at me (laughs) but yeah um that's all goodbye goodbye surprise fuck off